following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of Virginia. <laughs> I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you, good. The Jackal. All right, everybody, welcome to another exciting episode Inside the Jackal's Head, right here live on PSN Radio. That's right, we're live on PSN-Radio.com, and it is April 19th. 2020, of course, that depends on what part of the planet you're in at the moment. It depends on what part of the equator you're located at. No matter where you are on this uh, little blue marble, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. We uh, all share in one common denominator. We're all locked in. And I hope everybody's staying safe during the... uh, epidemic, pandemic, virus, outbreak, whatever you want to call it, the invisible enemy, as the president calls it, that's right, the enemy that shall remain nameless, even though it's got like 5,000 names, but around here we just call it the bug, and there's a lot of bugs in the world, and we uh, are possibly close to maybe deleting this bug from the world. That's right, folks. Uh, it looks like something that President Trump had um, been uh, pushing for a while now has actually caught on. And there's, of course, uh, a very funny clip of a, of a reporter asking him, Well, Mr. President, uh, are you worried about side effects? And uh, hysterically, he replied, Well, people are dying. Didn't you guys want me to cut through the, uh, the red tape and... and let people test out things that might save their lives and, and if this thing works. Well, I'd rather be alive than lose my life. Uh, and if, uh, you know, personally, if I get a twitch or, or I get a rash uh, five years down the road because of some crazy side effect, that's okay. I'll still be alive. That's my little ad-lib to what the president said. But in gist, that's what he was getting at. See, the media likes to, uh, of course, double down as hard as possible. And I have a few uh, clips that I'm going to play tonight which completely proves that. And uh, and it shows just how biased the media is, uh, including uh, people from PBS. Of course, CNN is an evil culprit, as always. Uh, we're going to get to a few of those clips in a little bit here. I want to announce that we are having a guest on in the second hour tonight. We're going to have Dave Emmons uh, is going to uh, come back and join us for uh, about an hour. And uh, he was, of course, with us uh, what last year in October. And uh, Dave Emmons is a really uh, an incredible uh, human being. I have tons of respect uh, for uh, for him. And uh, his lovely family have gone through, uh, you know, a lot uh, with the story of uh, what they have experienced. Dave claims to have uh, been a trainee in a, a top secret nuclear weapons uh, installation in the military. And uh, he was part of the, an intelligence group, but did not like the constant military intelligence interviews uh, and did not like the pressures he was subjected to. Uh, he claims that his personal life, which has been surrounded by the uh, paranormal, uh, was the cause of a lot of the issues. Dave and his wife lead uh, a members-only uh, ET discussion group from their home in Washington State. 
Now, if you know, Washington is, of course, part of the pandemic, and they've been hit very hard, so hopefully everybody in the, in the Emmons family is doing well during the outbreak, and we're going to uh, hear from him and see how everything is going. Also, he says that um, it, it says a lot of, uh, you know, this country uh, with the way people are reacting to this thing. Um, I stepped out of the uh, the man cave here for a little bit to do some grocery shopping earlier today. And, uh, you know, people are still shopping. They're still going out. But everybody's more careful. Everybody's more polite. I wanted to uh, hear from Dave if he's getting the same sentiments. How everybody's kind of like almost coming together during this uh, crisis. Of course, his, uh, you know, life has been dominated by E.T. discussions and E.T. encounters. Uh, he leads a, a discussion group on E.T. encounters from uh, his home in Washington, like I said. A home that not only, uh, you know, hosts where members relate to their encounters, but a home uh, where he claims he had, you know, E.T. encounters also in. So keep that in mind, folks. Uh, he's uh, not only living in a place where he's uh, at home, but he's uh, had encounters there. He's got a lovely family, and uh, when you look at them, they you know they're picture perfect. You know they they're a portrait of the uh, classic family portrait with the kids and the wife and the husband, and a very beautiful family. And uh, you know you you see that, and then you hear the the stories, and and it really sinks in that you know this person and this family is really really going through something. I have never been abducted myself I, that I know of. It might have happened. You never know. Maybe they do have those little flashy thingies like in Men in Black. I don't know. Uh, but I you know I assume it. For some, it might be a scary scenario. For some, it uh, might be something uh, completely different. You know, Betty and Barney Hill had an experience where they, you know, their experience wasn't very nightmarish, to say the least. In fact, uh, quite the opposite. I, w- I would say that it was, uh, in a way, a positive experience. And, uh, it, you know, it's completely different than some of the uh, the people out there who claim they, you know, they were taken against their will and, um, you know, they were you know, asked uh, to perform all kind of uh, weird experiments, uh, and, you know, they, they were impregnated, or they were, you know, their semen was extracted, and it, there's a lot of different stories, uh, you know, in this field that uh, some are scary, some are not. It depends on, on I guess, the kind of uh, abduction you had or... or kind of encounter you had and you know it it is what it is it's an abduction um you know anytime you're taken from you know your home or anywhere uh, against your will that's an abduction no matter what way you want to look at it uh he is a victim of uh such a thing and uh, you know i do believe that there's a lot of folks out there who are honestly going through these experiences and whether it's uh, government made through some MK Ultra program, or whether they really are experiencing something with alien beings, that's uh, you know for debate, and I understand that. And I, uh, you know, I try to go at every uh, case with a little bit of a skepticism, but also an open mind, and that's very important in these kind of cases to keep an open mind, because at the end of the day, that's really all we have. And you know, we we don't have. Uh, you know, the smoking gun, as some people like to call it, you know, for any case. 
even somebody like, say, Travis Walton, for example, who, as anybody who's listened to this show knows, um, you know, he's one of my heroes in ufology, and, you know, one of the first people that when I started the podcast 12 years ago, I really wanted to interview because of what he went through in 1975. And, uh, by the way, that was before I was born. Just a little insight there. And, uh, you know, what he and the, uh, the logging crew went through in the 70s. And, uh, when I got to speak to him, you know, there's a, a humbleness and a level of just a matter of fact to his voice that, you know, you can't replicate that with a hoaxer. A hoaxer always, you know, gives himself away and, uh, one way or another, the way they speak, the way they, they come at you, the things they say, um, you know, there's always, uh, a, a pattern to a lot of, uh, these people and it's not that I'm a debunker or as, uh, or my good friend and, uh, my late good friend now, uh, Stan Friedman would say, what are these nasty debunkers? God, I miss that man. And, uh, Got to shake his hand, meet him in person, and call him a friend, and uh, it was uh, just a great honor of mine. It really was uh, just a, a real gentleman and uh, a nuclear physicist of all things. And who would have thought that this crazy Cuban in, inside the jackal's head uh, host would one day sit across an actual nuclear physicist and have a uh, conversation with him and, uh, you know, have him on my uh, podcast. Who would have thought that when I uh, set foot in America? But it happened. And if that could happen, anything is possible. I'll tell you. Uh, but he was just a graceful, uh, graceful man. And uh, I'm sure he would have a field day if he was alive right now talking about what's going on. Same for Art Bell, who we uh, lost a couple of years ago. In fact, on the 13th of this month, very unfortunately, it was the anniversary of his passing, and uh, there's no celebrations going on, a lot of tears uh, from all our uh, Art Bell fans, and uh, I know the family's still mourning him, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those uh, things that as we get older, we see our mortality, and we understand that we're not here forever, and Art knew that, and uh, Stanton knew that, and these uh, gentlemen are pioneers, and their legacy is long and, and historic, and... Uh, you know, I want to get to one of these uh, clips. In fact, uh, this is uh, pretty good. Uh, it's a good setup for the rest of the night. But uh, let's see, I got a, uh, a bunch of clips. A bunch of clips. No, well, not that many, but I got a few clips that I clipped out. And I did a little homework today. And uh, let's see, there's a bunch of people that, of course, are denying there's a pandemic going on. And uh, you really got to hear this. This is uh, quite funny. It really is. Check this out. Media. Media is the cancer. People are going to die. They die no matter what. I need a haircut. Yes. It's great. For heaven's sake, open the barber shops. Open the hair salons. We need haircuts. Okay? We got to buy food. We got to go to work. We got to provide for our families. comes to the pandemic, are you scared at all? Do you think, do you believe in it? Yes, oh, yes, yes, I believe it's sure real. Do. Exactly, yeah. it is real. We still have a right, I think, to, like, to work. work. 
we have a higher power that we believe in that takes care of us. And I know that it's a real thing. The pandemic is a real thing. We do believe in yeah, that. But we want to work. We want to work. We don't want a government handout. Almost none of the street protesters Thursday wore masks or physically distanced, as the CDC recommends. And we are. We are. We're not scared of this virus. God bless America. Where's the circus? It's in that building right now. We're there pretending that we need a social distance. We're there pretending we need masks. ramifications of being in a large group of people yes. and that doesn't change your mind no. why do you think the doctors are saying that they don't have any choice of course they have to say that USA! 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 well somebody needs to realize uh, i think in that group uh, that, uh, you know, just because you think there's no pandemic doesn't mean there, there isn't one. Look, folks, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And if it means, say, uh, staying at home for a few weeks or a month or two or three, I'll stay at home. Now, I'm, I, look, I'm not a government plant. I'm not a crony. I'm not uh, trying to, you know, be a dictator of any uh, sort. If you want to go out and party, by all means, it's your funeral. You know, but uh, going out and, and protesting and stuff, that that's nonsense. 
You know, that's just uh, sheer nonsense. I, in fact, I was out grocery shopping, like I said earlier, and uh, I came across a really funny individual, a gentleman who works at the meat department at uh, Publix, uh, where I do my shopping, and sometimes it's a pleasure, sometimes it's not. Uh, today was uh, it was pretty good. It was uh, a lot of fun walking around. I had my uh, Versace glasses on, and of course I got my leg taped up. So everybody who looks at me like I'm a, a victim of uh, COVID 2020 or Corona 23, uh, like I I passed the 19 at this point, right? Uh, leg sweaty, got my Versace shades on. Uh, you know I'm pale and. Uh, well, I just don't look like I'm very healthy at this point right now, you know, and uh, I understand that. But I'm walking around, and uh, the announcement is being read on air, and it's just funny because they announce, uh, Dear Public site I'm trying to remember exactly word for word here, so bear with me, but it was somewhere along the lines where they were like, uh, Dear Public Shoppers, please remember that we're all in this together. But follow the rules, and please keep your distance of six feet apart. And, uh, by the way, make sure that, you know, you, uh, go through the aisles with a little tape on the floor, because now that, you know, the aisles, they're one way at Publix, which is really funny. They got blue tape on the floor, and, uh, literally with arrows pointing this way, that way, you know, it's like you're being detoured now. And uh, this one lady, this uh, grotesque woman, uh, kept looking at me all weird. And she worked at the uh, the place. And she goes to me, you know, she goes, Yeah, you can't through, go through that aisle. You have to go through this aisle because that's a one way. And I looked at her and I said, Oh, okay, no problem. I backed out and I went through the other way. I, you know, I didn't protest or say anything. You know, I just, uh, I marched along just like good sheeple. You know, why, you know, pick a fight? I know I don't look healthy as it is. You don't want to pick a fight. Uh, but it's funny because there's nobody on the aisle I was going into. And the aisle that she made me go into, which is the right way, had two people. And if for all this uh, stay away six feet from each other, if you see in the aisles at Publix, there's no way you can stay away if you're walking through the aisles and there's two people in the aisles. You're going to come really close much closer than six feet. So for her to tell me, yeah, uh, you know, you gotta go through here. And then hear the, uh, you know, the actual speaker, uh, say, well, you gotta keep your distance. Well, which is it? Make up your mind. And that is very relatable to what's going on with people like in the audio you heard earlier, uh, where they're confused about a lot of things. Uh, by the way, everybody in that aisle, all three of us had masks and gloves on. And I'm very happy to report that at least every time I've gone out, people have taken that advice and they've, uh, you know, they're, they've got their masks on, they've got their gloves on. You know, people are taking it serious for the most part, but then there's this, you know, part of the population that thinks this is a, a joke. And, uh, of course, where every, uh, you know, uh, thing like this uh, pops up, people start to panic and people start to think it's all conspiracy, man. It's government. It's, you know, they, they just want to keep us in a prison, man. That's all this is. It's, it's you know, Big Brother. 
Well, sometimes uh, you got to listen to Big Brother, because sometimes uh, Big Brother's been trying to tell you from the beginning, hey, uh, there's some coming out of China. we got to close the flights from China. And, uh, you know, sometimes when people say, yeah, that's uh, xenophobic and racist. Well, then, you know, these people are just stupid and wrong sometimes. And I think that's uh, part of what's going on with that clip. And, and what's sadly happening with uh, part of uh, the world, where there's a lot of, like, twisted and stupid people out there that just don't get it. And then when they do finally get it, it's a little too late. Like that infamous uh, Lars uh, idiot who went, around licking toilet bowls, trying to become social media famous. What happened to him? Eh, he got sick. Could be COVID, could be not. Whatever. You know, whatever he ends up getting, he kind of brings it on himself, being a dumbass. I mean, who the hell goes around licking toilet bowls? Seriously. Who does this kind of crap? That, I mean, in all honesty, you have to be a complete and utter idiot. Uh, idiot! God, so stupid, what a dumb question. I mean, do you even have to ask who, who comes up with this junk? I mean, this is on social media. You know, it becomes a trend. Next thing you know, people are actually doing this crap, you know, on, on a massive scale. It's amazing. Now, you really want to hear some amazing uh, stuff. Check this out. This is uh, a, a war hero, Dan uh, Crenshaw. And he was on uh, Bill Maher, who is a complete nincompoop, okay? And uh, he thinks he's going to, like, put one over on uh, Mr. Crenshaw. But Mr. Crenshaw puts one over on him and completely destroys him, makes him look foolish on his own show, and uh, demolishes argument. It, uh, it's, a, it's amazing audio. You guys really have to hear this. Check this out. He was warned. This did not have to happen. Uh, Alex Azar, his, his health and human services guy, January 18th, he warned him about this. And again on January 30th, Trump said he was being an alarmist. Peter Navarro. Somebody else who talks to Trump a lot told him directly January 29th, you got to get ahead of this. February two days 10th. Later, he, two days later, he implemented a restrictive tra tra travel ban from China, which he was widely criticized no, for. I, you know, that same well, day on January 31st, Nancy Pelosi proposed the No Ban Act, which would be congressional limitation on what President Trump's actually able to do with that with that travel restriction okay but that's right i mean he lies about that he first of all he well, didn't how does he lie about it what do, he, what do you mean he said he stopped people coming in from china he did not he said he well, was ahead of it 43 countries did it before we did there are still people coming in from china he only stopped yeah, foreign nationals yeah, okay let, 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 me, let me address that because I, I know that's that's what people are saying right now but the reality is that was about forty thousand people came in after that these are u.s citizens and green card holders and passport holders being repatriated u.s citizens so you have to make the argument yeah. then that that we shouldn't allow them in. And I mean, it, it sounds to me like you're fully agreeing with President Trump on this when everybody else disagreed with him. And, no, and if I, you're saying that you wish that, that that travel restriction had been more extreme, okay, fine. I well, mean, I, I, you apparently had the foresight back then, but when nobody else did. But the fact yeah. is, 
you know, we, if Joe Biden was in charge at that moment, he's already said he wouldn't have done it. He criticized it as, at the time. Nancy it, Pelosi actually proposed legislation to, to stop it. OK, so, but people you know, are but it, it, people are still coming in from from China. It wasn't just foreign nationals, but let's get off that. Let me just go back to the timeline for a minute. Uh, February 10th, after these warnings, uh, he says it's going to go away in April with the heat uh, because he had a hunch. Uh, February 25th, he goes to India. This is four days after the White House Coronavirus Task Force said we're going to have to lock down the country. And Dr. Nancy Messonnier who's uh, in charge of the Center for Immunization so, and Res Respiratory Diseases. Wait a second, let me just finish. She announced this on the 26th, uh, he, uh, on the 25th, that we we're going to have to lock down the country. He said the next day, 15 people have it, and it's soon going to be close to zero. March 6th, he said anyone who wants a test can get it, which is still... Completely, okay, let me stick to February. Completely wrong. Go forward because you uh, mentioned February 25th. The day before, February 24th, that's when the administration requested two and a half billion dollars from Congress to fulfill, um, you know, CDC, NIH, uh, and FDA funding to combat the virus and, and the potential spread of it. What happened right then? I'll tell you because I was in Congress and I know what happened. Did we vote on a supplemental funding bill? No. Did we wait days to vote? No. Still didn't vote on it. You know what we voted on later that week? Nancy Pelosi, the only thing she would put on the floor to vote on was a bill to ban flavored tobacco. That's that's what actually happened. It wasn't it was only a week later that we actually voted on the supplemental funding that the administration requested. Your criticism appears to be based in one thing, that Trump was overly optimistic. That's his style. You know, again, I, you can criticize it. That's fine. But it doesn't. But it's not connected to the actions that were actually taken, because if I back up even further, you know, February 14th, the CDC announces ongoing work with five laboratories to perform community-based influenza surveillance and study the spread of the virus. We're, we're trying, we're in a fact-finding mode in February. People forget this. We People were. People calling the, February this lost month. The world. It's really not. There's just, it, that's an easy and cheap accusation because there's no big, bold moves taken like there was in January or like there was in March. But the reality is our government was working to create that test. Now, did they work as fast as we would have liked? No, of course not. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which I, I'm happy to go into. By March 3rd, there was only 102 cases in the United States. And yet I'm hearing criticism that we should have been locked down weeks earlier. But would you think the American people would have accepted that with only 100 cases in the United States? Italy didn't lock down until March 10th. Spain, not until March 14th. UK, not until later in March. Places like Sweden never locked down. And so I, I just, I, I provide all of that context as we try to basically accuse this man of of uh of well he's being accused of having blood on his hands and and context is so important here well it is and also it's not just about being optimistic it's about being right the world was aware of this and since when does america take its lead from italy and spain uh, well, because those were those are where the outbreaks were happening i understand right? well i'm pointing it out again again for context but if we're going to criticize somebody's actions, we have to do it in the context of the facts they knew at the time. And so I just, I'm just trying to be fair here that I don't really care about defending him or his actions. I just care about letting people know well, the truth. And when people make these accusations, I have to ask them a question. Is the goal to make Trump look bad or is the goal to get to the truth? Because there's two different sets of answers for that. Okay. But sometimes they converge. Sometimes the truth is that somebody who says, if, I if have they a converge, hunch, they converge. I have a hunch this is going to go away. Uh, is that someone you would want to have served with? I mean, my God, I don't yeah. understand well, again actually, why someone with your resume, you were in Fallujah for God's sakes. 
Would you want someone, a, 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 a commander, to say that to you, to blame everybody else if something goes wrong, and then to say, you know, I have a hunch yeah. the enemy's not going to be in there. Let's attack. Sure, no, I, I understand that. So here's how I would I would describe my answer to that. When bullets are flying past my head, I don't need to raise my voice. And I write about this in my book, too. Calm breeds calm, panic breeds panic. Um, you know, being an optimistic, positive, you know, and exuding positivity and calmness in crisis is exactly how we ask our SEALs to lead. Um, and and now, now I'm not sure I see a lot of evidence for blaming others, maybe blaming China, although there's a lot of evidence for that. So maybe that's a good place to play blame. But I, I did it last Trump week. Blaming, uh, you know, Democrats here, or, you know, he's, he's exposing hypocrisy and it maybe, and maybe we're confusing that with blame, but no, I, I mean, uh, again, calm breeds calm and that's how we would lead him. There you go. Calm breeds calm. Imagine if the president comes out in, in February, January saying, the world's gonna end. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna be attacked by a virus. People would lose their shit. Okay? And this man went very calmly knowing that something was coming and he shut the uh, flight coming in from China. China. And what did he get from Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, remember they, they tried to pass legislation? It, it seems like this uh, part of the story gets forgotten by Nancy. They passed legislation, folks, to stop him, right, from doing exactly what he was trying to do to protect this country. And now they have the audacity to say, oh, but he didn't act soon enough. Well, when he was saying a, um, you know, People from China shouldn't be coming in right now. There's something going on that uh, could hurt a lot of folks. They were calling him a racist, a xenophobe. And, you know, this is uh, something that really needs to fall right on the shoulders of Congress. It needs to, you know, fall on the shoulders of nasty Nancy Pelosi. And she needs to, you know, answer for... A lot of the things that she did during this time and uh, answer for her guilt in getting Americans killed. She went on TV when the president is trying to get folks to understand that, you know, this is serious and we need to, you know, cut the flights coming in and, you know, warn Americans about doing travel to China. And, you know, he even said back then we might have to shut all flights in and out of China completely in and out of the country because uh, this is serious. I remember him, talk, you know, saying this on the news. They came out. Mainstream don't want to play that. But he said it. They don't want to talk about it now. Now it's that they're trying to rewrite history. And here's Chris Wallace, of all people, and he's been critical of Trump in the past. At the same time, every time he's critical, they cheer him. Oh, yay! But when he actually defends Trump or says, hey, listen, what he did here was right, you know, the left right, immediately right, right. is like, and they dismiss him and they criticize him. And, you know, Chris is a very bipartisan individual. 
I've noticed that about him. Uh, not the greatest journalist in the world, by all means. I mean, he's no... Either, you know, he he's a serious uh, individual, and uh, I, I have to hand it to him because he really called out Nasty Nancy, and this is uh, priceless audio. Check this out. Right now have been very critical of President Trump, especially for what you say is the time that he lost initially in January and February in responding to the virus. But I, I want to point out that on February 24th, you went on a walking tour of Chinatown to try to promote tourism there. And here's some of what you had to say. That's what we're trying to do today is to say everything is fine here come because the precautions have been taken. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. If the president underplayed the threat in the early days, Speaker Pelosi, didn't you as well? No, what we're trying to do is to end the discrimination, the stigma that was going out against the Asian uh, American community. And in fact, if you will look, the record will show uh, that our Chinatown has been a model uh, of containing and, and preventing uh, the virus. Let me let me stop it right there because this hag is lying through her teeth. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. She's lying through her dentures folks okay you could clearly hear on the audio saying you come to chinatown and i'm going to play the rest of this clip because it's hysterical how she's trying to rewrite history as she's being exposed as a culprit in getting people killed the thousands of lives that have died a lot of them came from California, from New York, from democratically, you know, parts of the country, democratic parts of the country. These are areas that vote for people like Nancy Pelosi, right? These are democratic states. And she is literally, you know, leading an entire, you know, part of the base to the slaughter saying yeah come on down let's party in Chinatown that's who you have as representative in San Francisco a person who in the middle of a pandemic is telling you hey come on down it's okay and then she lies about it that's what gets me she lies about this thing folks Listen to the rest of this. It's uh, it's priceless. Confidence in our folks there and thought it was necessary to offset some of the things that the president and others were saying about Asian Americans and making them a target. Uh, a, a tar okay, I got to stop it again. Uh, at no point whatsoever did the president make Asian Americans a target. Okay, and at no point. Was there any others making Asian Americans a target? This is her lying, circle talking, and not answering the question being asked. And just trying to dumb down the audience by blaming Trump. And this is what she does. This is what they all do. And if you're so stupid that you can't see this for yourself...
then I'm sorry, you need a lobotomy. You gotta be really, really stupid not to understand that you're being played. Nasty Nancy Pelosi does not have your best interest at heart, okay? She's leading people to their death. Not everybody's gonna die who catches this thing, but, you know, for those who do die in her district, who followed her advice, the blood is on her hands. And I do think that she needs to be removed as Speaker of the House, and she needs to face possible charges. I really believe this. I mean, I, I'll go, I'm on record. She deserves, uh, you know, possibly to be in prison. Now, listen to the, the rest of this thing. ...of violence across the country. Is that, is but, that but, some hate but forgive me, don't you, think, don't you think that uh, you, when you're out walking without any masks, I understand this is February, not April, when this happened, yeah. and saying that there's no threat, it's perfectly safe there, weren't you also adding to this perception yeah. that there wasn't such a threat generally? No, I was saying that you should not discriminate against, discriminate against Chinese Americans as some in our administration were doing uh, by the way they were labeling the flu and that. No, indeed. And again, I think you, if you check the record and it's current, uh, you will see that, our, that Chinatown has been a model uh, in all of this. And that's what we're saying. Look to them for answers. Don't look to them uh, to uh, place blame. So to say to everyone, you should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, we know that there's a concern about tourism traveling all throughout the world, uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. Going around to it's very safe to be in Chinatown, even though there is a possible pandemic and an outbreak. And she knows about it. You're telling me that the Speaker of the House who travels around the world, does not know that there's an outbreak. Folks, she's lying through her dentures. It's clear if you watch the video clip of her just lying. It's amazing what the media lets these people get through. And I applaud, I really, really applaud Chris for, you know, putting her in her place. And uh, I, you know... It's one of those things that if I uh, had a board member who was uh, actually, uh, you know, you know, paying attention, and he, you know, would play in the fall. But... Thank you, Kitty. <clears throat> All right, cut it out. Cut. And of course, he plays the, the long cut. Thank you, Petey. And uh, she lies and lies and lies and lies and lies and blames Trump for everything. Anything that she does wrong, she immediately tries to twist it, rewrite history, and blame the president. Uh, there's about 45 seconds left to this clip. Listen to this. It is perfectly safe to be here. Uh, she says that this is a very special place to her heart because she started a lot of her early campaigning when she started her political career, uh, some of it right here in Chinatown. And uh, we got some word from her earlier on sort of the message that she's trying to uh, purvey here. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time, uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, we want to be vigilant about what it might be on the, uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. Come join us. 
Come down and be part of the bug in Chinatown. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it, folks, that this happened in Chinatown? And uh, this virus is coming out of China, right? And uh, nasty Nancy Pelosi is a representative of San Francisco, where Chinatown's located. Don't you guys just find that ironic? And just a little bit funny, because to me, I mean, as my comedic mind... When I'm, you know, if I'm sitting down writing a joke or something, or, you know, I find something funny. Like, you know, I couldn't write shit that funny. I really couldn't. And uh, as I was walking through Publix, uh, like I was saying earlier, I came across this uh, dude in the meat department. Going back full circle to the story here, because I haven't forgotten where I I started. I just had to go all the way around. Uh, But I mentioned that to him. And I told him... Um, because of that announcement, uh, you know, I, I was listening to it and I, uh, was walking by the meat department and this, uh, big dude was there and I, I looked at it and I laughed and I said, every time, and I, I listen to that when I come here and I hear you guys saying, oh, you gotta keep social distancing, but you know, we're in this together. Uh, it's just funny to me. Like, I, as a comedian, I couldn't write better material than that. And he laughed really hard hopefully he didn't like cut himself cutting the meat uh but when i hear you know that kind of announcement or i hear nancy pelosi telling people oh it's fine in chinatown come on down i have an issue with that but at the same time it's really funny uh and now of course the funniest part of all this is like the you know this is right here the one that kneels it for me okay now she's saying that the president didn't act fast enough. Of course, that's the narrative they're going with now. Now he's the bad guy. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he didn't warn us fast enough. Cause he's clairvoyant, right? He, you know, he could tell the future. There's like a minority report that's really happening. And he is all the, th- the triplets in one. In fact, the triplets are his kids, uh, Donald Jr., Eric, and Ivanka. They're the minority triplets, and they tell Daddy Trump everything. You tell him what the future holds, and he keeps it to his himself. And just plays the stock market and makes a lot of money. And has businesses that make a ton of money. Because he has the triplets. And they're his minority reporters. I mean, it, that's kind of like the bullshit they, they want us to believe, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, and, and going back to this Bill Maher clip that I played earlier, uh, it's funny to hear, you know, hear, uh, how easily defeated these people are and Bill Maher is a complete nincompoop like I said on you know I said earlier uh Daniel Crenshaw not only destroys his argument but at the same time he says you know what you're almost sounding like uh you support Trump so instead of uh you know just uh you know really smearing the guy because you might not like him one of you man up and say you know what he's right because he is right Trump has been right from the beginning, and 
And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to start mass hysteria by acting like a complete goofball when you're the president. I've said that before. Okay? He sets the tone for the rest of the country. And at no time has he said, oh, there's nothing to this. Oh, you guys, this is all made up. No, he's warned everybody from the beginning. And, of course, the left wants to say, oh, you know, these idiots over here are denying that there's anything going on. They're all because they're Trump supporters, and it's because of Trump. No, they're just stupid. That's nothing to do with Trump, really. I mean, yeah, some of them are supporters. Who cares? They're just stupid, and uh, they're supporters. Yay, great for them. Good. Again, if they want to go out and uh, do what they got to do, do what you got to do. Hey. No problem. It's your life, baby. You know, and if you want to go on and uh, play, have at it. Yep. Have fun. I applaud the, uh, the excitement. I applaud the enthusiasm. But when you get sick, you're screwed. So, uh, like I said, uh, if you guys have to be indoors for a little bit, just, uh, you know, just deal with it. It's okay. Don't go crazy. You know, just uh, relax. Things are going to get okay. Things are going to get better. You know, uh, one thing about Trump that I do like, he is very optimistic. And you have to be when you're, you're the president. Again, he sets the tone. And, uh, you know, it's uh, something that we all need to, like, you know, understand, let it sink in. And uh, come November, remember what Nancy Pelosi did. Remember what the news media lied about. Keep all that stuff in mind, folks. We're going to be back in a little while, uh, in a couple of minutes when I uh, hit break. And on the second part of the uh, the hour here, we have Dave Emmons for a full hour. And uh, he is, of course, a, like I said earlier, a contactee, an abductee, an experiencer, as I like to put it. And uh, it's awfully uh, incredible that this year, of course, you know, uh, you know, this past year, we had a big announcement we had the big announcement of uh, Mr. Um, Space Force from Mr. Trump. So, uh, guys, we're going to hit break in a, in a couple minutes. And when we come back uh, again, we're going to have uh, Dave on with us. And we're going to talk about uh, you know what he is uh, going through at the moment. And we're going to talk about... Uh, you know, his uh, own experiences, if he's, if he's had any since last time he was here. I don't know if he's had any or not. Uh, but uh, we're going to, you know, get an update from him. Hopefully he's staying COVID-free. Hopefully the entire family is COVID-free out there. And uh, it's going to be a, a fun hour with him. And, of course, please stick around. This is Inside the Jackal's Head on PSN Radio in the archive. Just to let you know, because I'm supposed to, uh, you know, let folks know about this. And I get reprimanded by the voices in my head when I don't do this. Uh, but check out the website. It's angelespino.com 
or thejackal.com will take you to the same place. And uh, check out the archive for free, if you would be so kind. Uh, scroll down on the page, there's a, a banner there that says uh, Patreon. Click that and uh, become a patron. You know, that's how we, you know, stay afloat, uh, hopefully, in the future, because, uh, you know, payroll's gonna come, uh, become really hard to come by if things, uh, stay like this. So, uh, please, uh, become a patron. Join us, uh, over here every week on Sunday night, so where we come by at you with great guests. And that's gonna be a whole lot more coming in with the uh, Patreon, uh, account, uh, that's, uh, gonna be for everybody who joins over there. And uh, exclusive stuff from audio to videos and interviews and all kinds of cool stuff that you're going to get. And maybe even a, a role on the uh, network if you're a high-paying Patreon. You know, we're always looking for talent. So if you're a, a Patreon of a high caliber, you might be able to join us here on a weekly basis. I mean, uh, of course, we're always open to podcasters willing to come in and uh, join the network. Uh, but that's part of the Patreon package and part of the uh, network. So uh, check out the uh, Patreon page on that banner. Again, it's on angelespinal.com where you can find the podcast for free every week after it airs here. Staying safe and indoors during the outbreak is the one and only Dave Emmons. You know, your experiences is really the the one thing that uh, it's always gone to me. I've been talking to another buddy of mine who's a writer. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so him and I have been working together the last two or three months. We've done a couple of radio shows together. And he's a he's a terrific writer. And I, I do the radio part, and he does the feeding in of the intelligence part. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's, uh, so that's how we do that. He knows a lot about the top uh, current events. So uh, that's uh, and he's a great guy. And uh, I just got off the fo- uh, off the Skype with him tonight, and we were talking about uh, these this video that I got that I told you about, and I will mm-hmm. I will tell the audience about it here pretty soon. And uh, and this last six weeks, uh, well, up until two weeks ago, uh, I had from I guess February fifth up until about. Uh, March 26th, 27th, I, I had, uh, some, some really weird experiences here in my house. So I'll tell people about that. Uh, the older experiences, uh, I guess I can start with those. Definitely. Now, now, again, uh, you've had experiences in your house and it's traveled along with you every time you've moved. It's just, it keeps happening no matter what house you live in, right? Oh yes, the ETs can track you from your vibrations on your right. your DNA. Uh, they actually plant uh, vibrations on you. Like I had uh, an implant that was a carbon-based implant, and mm. from my thoughts, uh, the, everything's planted on the left-hand t- side. I was talking to Grant Cameron. I had him on my show here a while back, and and he was great telling, me, yeah, great guy, and, and uh, he was telling me that uh, all implants are on the left-hand side. Because they want to talk to your right hand, your right hand side of your brain. It's the creative area. So that's mm. what they want to relate to the ET. So, so I had a, an implant in my left uh, uh, leg, and and uh, it uh, it kind of. Well, by the time I got it out, it was it looked like it was kind of wearing out or just di- drying out and dying. And so I put it in a plastic bag, and it lasted for about four weeks. And I've got a lot of pictures of it. That was in back in 2011. Uh, I had an intense period of time between 09 and and 2012. Those three years were really accelerated with this ET stuff. 
uh, and I didn't see anything much in the past except in 1963. Uh, I, I saw my first uh, UFO with a best friend of mine, and still we talk about it today. And uh, it, that was in Alton, Illinois, right right where, where I'm at now. I'm not in the same place, of course, but Alton, right. which is out some. But uh, we saw this uh, this UFO one night. We were sitting and drinking Pepsi out of a glass bottle. That dates me. So uh, we uh, was listening to 10 transistor radio, and it was snapping and popping. And he, he looks at me and says, he said, I wonder what's wrong. I said, did you change batteries? He said, yes. And uh, And then we saw... We smelled something first, and we thought it was sulfur or, or uh, gunpowder. Back then, that's the only thing we could relate to. Uh, I went hunting early in life, so I knew what gunpowder smelled like. But it smelled like that, and we looked up, and we saw these two lights. Uh, it was just slowly moving over the, the neighborhood, about treetop level, not very high, only about 50 feet high. And uh, so we went up, up the steps up on the road, and he got a flashlight out of his dad's truck. So we walked up the road, got into this empty lot, and this empty lot actually overlooked my backyard. And uh, we stood there, and we looked at this thing. It was about 30 feet in diameter, about uh, 15 feet high, and it had three bulbs. Uh, like, it's like a, an old top that you spin, uh, the old-timer top. So there are three little bulky rings on them. And yep. the, the bottom was, was uh, really dark, black. And I guess that's where the sulfur smell was coming from. And now that I, I know it's ozone smell, because when you burn nitrogen, oxygen, uh, and uh, carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide uh, in the air, it comes up with sulfur dioxide, and which smells like sulfur, and which is which they call ozone. So we we stood there and we kept looking at this thing. And on the second level, second row, there was uh, portals or windows. And I was looking at those, and on the top it had a little, like a little bubble top on it, and it had two things sticking up that looked like antennae. And so I kept looking in the windows. I said, I told him, I said, my buddy, I, I said, I don't want to see them look out. I said, that, that'll scare me, you know, if I see what they look like. But actually, I wish they would have. My, my buddy actually said he did see shadows, and I might have seen the shadows too, but we're, we're looking at, you know, when you have a, a something going on like that, both of you are kind of looking at different things at different times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I be, he said he heard a hissing sound. I didn't hear that. And I was so enthralled at looking at this thing and keeping an eye on it that I just couldn't take my eyes off. And we, we were just kind of like in this little lot. And uh, like I said, it was overlooking my, my backyard. I can see my back door from where I was at. And this thing just stayed there, hovered. We don't know how long. And then we don't know. Uh, we had missing time. This started about 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. And I know we didn't get in the house until about midnight because my mom was really mad. She had unlocked the door. She said, where have you been all this time? And I, so I didn't I didn't have a watch. I didn't have a camera back then. Back then, you didn't have those were luxuries back right. then. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> no so, smartphones at that time. <laughs> yeah. So, so she told me, get, get my UFO butt in the house. And so I got in the house. But... Uh, Unbeknownst to me, she's had her own UFO experiences, and she never told us about them. She, well, let me stop you right there real quick. I want to ask you, with the shape, uh, would you just to kind of give an idea for the audience that is listening in, would it look something like a dreidel? A dreidel. Uh, you mean the ship itself? Yes. Now, I don't know what you're calling dreidel. I've never used that term in describing okay. 
it's it's a spinning top uh, for our Hebrew friends and our Jewish uh, listeners. Uh, the little dreidel uh, that you know what spins. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I'm in fact I'm gonna Skype you the uh, an, a good page that has the images of it. If you give me a second here. Um, I'm gonna send it to you right now. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've heard other people say that, you know, similar shapes when they're describing what they've seen. And, uh, I always go back to this, uh, uh, dreidel. Um, and to me, it gives a reason why this is part of the Hebrew and, and the, you know, the, the shape is important to the Jewish community. Uh, maybe this is where they got the idea from. From these kind of ships, and they made you know this. Yeah. Remember, this is a toy that Jewish kids play with. Yeah, yeah, I see it. It doesn't look like it didn't look like this. Uh, these are kind of like wooden things with little. No, no, but go through go through the pages. There's different definitions of different uh, looking ones. Oh, okay. and there, there's a couple of them that look very similar to like the way you're describing it. That's kind of like well, it's not gonna be identical either. By the way, you don't have the two things coming over the top or something like okay. that, but. The basic shape almost looks like a spinning top, correct? Right. Uh, okay, I think I, I'm pulling up one here now. I'll take a look at it. Uh, I haven't poured water in my in my uh, <laughs> in my computer yet today. It runs on steam. It's getting old. Uh, let's see. I see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, I did see one, but I I don't see it now. Uh, Okay, I, they, I, they've got a bunch of different shapes, but it's a, it's a basic. Like you said spinning top, and that's kind of like the basic idea of what these things are. Um, they even have flat dreidels, which is kind of for those flat earthers out there. Shoutouts to them. Uh, but uh, it's uh, they have like all kind of different shapes, but it's kind of like that basic uh, core idea of what you're almost describing, and it, it does seem like an otherworldly kind of thing. Right. Um, and I, I was wondering, maybe that's where, you know, the Jewish community got that shape from. Well, the Jewish community yeah. won't like what I got to say now because, uh, Angel, this, this craft almost looked like one of those old Nazi uh, UFOs. Uh, back the in bell. The, yeah, uh, the bell. Yeah, it kind yeah, of looked, bell. It kinda looked yeah. like, no, they actually had a flying saucer that looked like a flying saucer and it had Nazi ins, uh, insignias on it. Right, and right. I've seen that in documentaries. And it actually kind of looked like that, and that kind of spooks me out. But uh, this was probably a little bit bigger than, than what they had. They were trying out, and they were, I don't know how close they were. They probably, uh, I, I guess if it wasn't for uh, this this team of uh, highly skilled scientists who have been back engineering a couple mm -hmm. of crashes in Germany back in the late 30s, uh, that's, that's where they're getting a lot of their ideas. But, no, this looked like a top, you know, like a little pudgy top, three rolls, and uh, but it was about, like I said, 50 feet off the ground. We felt kind of mesmerized, but now I know what that feeling is. It's kind of dumbing down. Uh, it's a magnetic energy that they flow to you and they keep you still, and then they nab you because I've heard if you're within a hundred feet or 150 feet uh, even that you're targeted and they're gonna they're gonna snatch it. So. Right. It's, if they get that close to you, then uh, that's the the danger mark, you know. So you know that will uh, that will do it. Yeah, I see what you're talking about the Nazi bell thing. Yeah, it didn't look like that. It, it looked like you know the UFO thing. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it, it was kind of like that. It looked like that, but 
uh, not ex- exactly. I don't know how to explain it. It looked it looked like the old model of UFOs. <laughs> I guess it was the old model back in the sixties. Like the uh, the more saucer shaped. Um, yeah, because yeah. It, little yeah, because fat, fat saucer, not not the right. kind of ones they have now that you see a quite a bit of. Uh, but they're probably thicker and higher than what we think, seeing them from a distance. But this one was about, like I said, 15 feet uh, high and 30 feet uh, wide in diameter. But uh, we, I know we, we've been we've been abducted, uh, my buddy and I. And he he doesn't. I just talked to him here a while back on the phone, and he doesn't really have any. He hasn't had any UFO encounters since then. And I told hmm. him, I said, well, I wonder why I do and you don't. I, I guess maybe my DNA was selected uh, because of my mom's family was tracked, and and they've had they've seen UFO sightings. My mom's actually talked about a tall, dark, slender guy who actually molested her, uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, in the in the dark. So this was these are things that she, she just started sharing with me the last couple of years because I've been you know talking about my experiences and coming out with them. She knew I've had experiences, you know, uh, all along. She she knew. And, uh, so. Do you find that, do you find that that's, uh, sorry to cut you off, but do you find that with other family members has, uh, been as easy as with your mom now that she's, you know, older and she's opening up more? Have you had other family members come forward also besides your, you know, your kids or your wife, um, who've had similar experiences with them, like cousins or uncles? Yes, I've, I've had, uh, I've had my brothers come forward. They're not, this, our family, when we get together, the brothers and I, we played music for 40 years together. And so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll sling a little beer on a Friday night at my mom's house. And she, <laughs> she likes us all getting together, all the brothers. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got seven brothers. I did have eight. I just lost one about three years ago. And, no, uh, yeah, thank you. But yeah, it's, uh, so we get together uh, sometimes, not now because of this Corona thing. My mom's 92 and she's a young 92, but we don't want to take anything to her. Uh, so we kind of just talk on the phone, and uh, we don't want to, you know, visit or anything at, at this time until things are kind of clear. But uh, oh man, this is a mess, isn't it? But uh, oh, no, no kidding, yeah, yeah, no kidding. But I usually wait uh, since I went to school in journalism. That's part of my past. I was in the military, uh, involved in top secret uh, uh, nuclear weapons training for a while, and then I, I dumped that school because I didn't like the military intelligence uh, quizzing us every week. Uh, I was young. I was only uh, like 19 or 20, just about ready to turn 20. And I uh, I was in there a class with a, with a lot of master's people. I was a high school grad. I just tested in really high, so I got in the class. But I thought that was really cool. But not it's, it wasn't my wasn't my uh, forte. So I got out of it. But uh, but I was offered a commission at the end of my military uh, service. So uh, that part of it I I, I did and. Uh, but I've also been in business and all this other stuff. So I've done a, a lot of different things. Uh, and that, that 1963 though was, was something that started off something that I, I, I didn't think it would stay with me this long, but it, it actually is. And I have to have a follow up. Now nuts and bolts, when you have a nuts and bolts thing happen to you, like you see a mm-hmm. crap real close to it, then mm-hmm. if you have, if you have regressed dreams, that makes those dreams more valid. Uh, otherwise, you're just having cerebral dreams in which we all have. Uh, so you have to kind of tie it to something that's really solid. You have to anchor to something that really happened to you. And I noticed that I, I had a little regressed dream, 
And this has only been 10 years ago that I finally had this. I was sitting on a table, a metal table, and I was trying to put on my shirt, and the shirt was too tight. I was a little chubby guy, and my friend was a little thinner than me, so I had his shirt trying to put it on. I remember it was a dark room, and I was really groggy, and apparently they straightened it out, and they got our clothes correct, and they put us back on this on the, this empty lot, I guess, after it was over with. Uh, I didn't find out till three or four weeks later the uh, the second shoe landed. What I mean by that, there was a fact. I wait for the, the uh, follow-up facts to occur to let me know that something really happened. Well, mm-hmm. I... I had an implant in my left testicle, and uh, yeah, and I, I was 14, of course, at the time, and I kind of messed with. It. I said, "What is that?" You know, and then I saw a red line, like a like a real. Now I know what it was. It was a thin laser cut. It was about three eighths of an inch long, maybe a little longer. And I looked at that and I said, "What is that?" You know, they must go together. So, you know, being dumb and 14, I still figured it out. You know, I, I pushed that that little pill type thing into that into that red line and it came out and i i popped it out it took me yep. about five minutes to do it and it looked like an advil tablet and there wasn't any blood where i took it out it wasn't any blood uh, i thought that was weird too and i said how did this all happen so i showed my mom and as i had it in my hand it come out in an ash color a light ash and then it started turning dark brown the longer i had it out in the air and yep. she she said throw that away that's an ingrown hair i said no mom it can't <laughs> and she goes what do you mean and I said, there was a hole cut for it. She said, a hole cut for it? I said, yes. There was a red line that I pushed it back out of that, that was cut in my testicle. And she looks at me, and she couldn't, she, she was lost for words. She didn't know what to say then. And then she said, throw it away anyway. And so then I think she got the message, or she probably thought that, okay, this incident that we had was for real, and it was something that's going on. Uh, so... That uh, that was my second fact or my second shoe that lands in journalistic terms uh, that uh, that I found that was really made it credible, and I talk to my buddy all the time and we talk about seeing the same thing. And now, do you still have the, the scar in said testicle, or is it like healed up and it's gone oh, now? Uh, it's it's been it's been healed up and gone long ago. It was healed up real quick, Angel, because it was a laser cut, so laser right. healed uh, faster and better. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you can, it's not like you can keep that, you know, being asked to, can you put it on ice? I, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, no. And keep, and keep, uh, uh, keep that well for like 30, 40 years. You know, what are you going to do with that at, at yeah. this point? Yeah, yeah. So, but I. Now, I, have you, have you checked yourself for other implants? I mean, uh, you know, yeah, outside I, the, uh, the general region? Have you, uh, uh, you know, how many implants have you, have you found any more? I think I have one in my thumb, uh, my left thumb, and uh-huh. it, it's in between the joint, and it uh, it kind of uh, bothers me every once in a while. Like if I lift weights or something, I can yeah, feel. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I, crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard, and, and and the doctor looked at it, and they actually took X-rays of it. And it showed up as a as a as a white filmy like thing, but it has to be uh, hiding itself or whatever from X-rays, or it's made out of material. This is a little bit harder and it's a little longer. Uh, just it's uh, you know I don't know, but it's hard to tell. It's probably about uh, three eighths of an inch long or something. So wow. I, I I I told him I said, well, if it bothers me more, I'll have you take it out. But if a if a civilian doctor or a military doctor takes it out, you'll never see it. They'll just tell you, oh, it was just a little 
little piece of gristle, you know, from your thumb or whatever that, that broke loose. Uh, and right. you'll, you'll never, they'll never give it to you because they don't give you things that they take out of your body. Uh, that's, that's against the medical association thing or whatever the safety, right. HIPAA safety, whatever. But, uh, that's why, uh, they had this one doctor, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Dr. Uh, Lear, that's right. He was so Lear, important. That's, yeah. Yeah. Thank, yeah I, I, I'm slow on remembering his name for some reason because I, it, it, it's okay. Washington state over here remembers that. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Yeah, no, Dr. Lear is funny because, uh, he was doing work with uh, another buddy of mine on a documentary right before he passed. And Joe Escamilla, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe. Jose Escamilla, sorry, Jose Escamilla. No. And, and uh, he, he he's famous for the uh, Roswell Rods, and um, he was doing a documentary with uh, Lear, and, and uh, they were sitting together, and I so happened uh, to ask him, could I speak to Dr. Lear, because I hadn't spoken to him in a very long time, and he put him on the line, and uh, I had a real pleasant conversation with him. He was a, a fine gentleman, I mean, a really, really uh, good guy. And doing amazing work with the implants uh, that he's pulling out of people, and uh, we were supposed to have him on the show about two weeks uh, after that, and he passed. No kidding, uh, about a week before we had him scheduled to be on, and uh, he never got to be on the show. But uh, just uh, to be able to, to speak to him for a few minutes, and, and you know, uh, after such a long period, it had been a number of years since I had spoken to him. And uh, to catch up, I mean, he really was full of life, even in the last days of his life. And, oh. uh, his death to me has always been kind of like a, a, a weird thing because he, when you speak to somebody and, and you could kind of tell if they're ill or, or not, and he wasn't in great health, and you could tell by the way he was speaking, but he was still so, like, into what he was doing and uh, upbeat. That you you know you never expect someone like like that to just disappear and it, it's a real loss to the community. Well, yeah, that that yeah. is, yeah. When you when you have a close relationship with anybody that passes, uh, I guess as human beings we don't understand yeah. death. Uh, we we know about birth and some of us know about life, <laughs> but yeah. Some of, of us, some of us are clueless. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the other thing is that they, we don't know anything about death and, and we have all kinds of theories. And now that I've had some dimensional things happen to me, uh, I kind of know that uh, we're going someplace after we die. So that's something assuredly I can tell the people in the audience that yes, we are going somewhere else after we die because I've kind of crossed that veil a few times and the ETs break that, that dimensional veil because some of them travel dimensionally, some of them travel through wormholes to get here. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different way that they do things. But no, uh, I didn't have my next encounter, uh, after playing music, working five, six days a week, uh, playing music two or three nights a week and going to school a couple of nights. I didn't have time to be abducted. I don't think, I don't think they had time to abduct me. So. I was busy, but in 1996, it, it it started again. I I was in my bedroom and it was dark, and my ex-wife she liked it dark, and she put like blankets or sheets over the drapes and everything, so to make it really dark. So my my stepdaughter come in, and I thought it was her. I I got up on my on my right elbow and put my chin in my palm and looked, and I said I called out her name several times, and I saw a dark shadow move past the the mirror and then it came around the side of my bed so i changed my hand and i put my chin my hand and i thought it was her to just uh, you know talk to me 
uh, lightly because she didn't want to wake up her mom and uh, and I was thought she was after some aspirins or whatever. But this thing, I turned and I looked at it and I thought, oh my god, this is an ET. And it, it was a it was a gray, but it was it was kind of an ugly gray. It was about three and a half feet tall, and it, it was oh maybe four feet tall. I'd have to give it that because the bed was. Are tall. there any attractive grays? Because uh, every time I hear a description, they seem kind of hideous. So it's- uh, they're not they're not really hideous. Uh, there are different types, but this one might have been older. Maybe they wrinkle as they get older or uh, maybe ah. several hundred years old. But uh, he didn't have the black lenses on his eyes. Uh, he actually kind of looked like what I ta- captured in my in my film I just told you about, and I'll talk about right. this. But this thing just looked at me, and I looked at it, and it was dark, kind of a gray-greenish color. It had two little holes and, and a little little bitty mouth. And its eyes were bigger than ours, but they kind of looked like ours. They had pupils, and they had the whites of the eyes and, and everything. So I I thought, wow, what is this? You know, what's going on here? And I was scared. For about five or six seconds, I was scared. And then all of a sudden, I, I went out. And I, so I don't know what happened. I'm sure he took uh, semen samples, blood samples at that time, because that's what they do at bedside. They, they take those little tests on you and that type of thing, and they keep tracking you. Uh, so that's what he did, and I, I must have got up about an hour or so later, and I asked my, my uh, wife, ex-wife now, that I said, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no, go back to bed. And so I went in the bathroom, and I noticed my eyes were twitching. My eyelids were just fluttering, and I thought, what's going on? There was a kind of a nervous tick, and I splashed cold water in my face, and I said, oh, my God. I said, uh, this is this is nuts. I said, this is scary. So. I walked into the living room and I sat and watched TV because I had to go to work in an hour. So anyway, this happened around uh, 1.30 or 2 in the morning and uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't know anything till 4 and I got up and, and I, and I walked in and just waited to go to work. So that was an experience that went that fast, but uh, actually I, I ran into this hybrid uh, person in Sedona, Arizona, uh, October 2010. And I think I know the results of all these semen uh, tests or samples they took from me. Uh, I saw a couple of young boys that are uh, not young, but they're about 14, 15, 16 years of age. They were taller uh, than most Japanese uh, Asian types. And I, and her name was Hiroko. I met her. The, it was in October uh, 2010. And then she come to my house in uh, March 17th. The, the St. Patrick's Day, and it was a really nice, warm day, and she appeared in the road just just about uh, 300 feet from me, and I saw him walking my way, and my cousin was with me, and uh, this was a witness I was telling you about that I had other witnesses. He was sitting on the porch with me, was smoking cigars, and and he said, who are those Chinese? I said, I don't think they're Chinese, I think they're Japanese, and I said, I think I know that woman, and I said, if that's that woman, I said, now I'm I'm getting scared. You know, so here, here they walk up. She stops. I've heard that before. Yeah, she stops. <laughs> she stops and turns around, and the two young guys approach us. Uh, and the only question they ask us was, "Where was the new Walmart?" And I said, "Right over that overpass." That was the last word I could say. I was dumbed down. I couldn't speak. I and my cousin was. He he talks a mile a minute, and and he's he was just dead quiet, and he just had a stare look on him. I looked over at him and I noticed that he just was staring forward and they dumbed us down so much that one of them walked past me and grabbed a attache case and brought it back out and thumbed through it right in front of me uh, in the, on the on the driveway. And I said, 
Oh my goodness. I was thinking, I can think, but I couldn't say nothing. I wanted so much to say, is that Hiroko? Is that Hiroko? And they knew I was thinking this. And they just kept giving me this evil eye and they had dark eyes. Uh, their eyes were, were kind of dark. So, you know, you heard of the dark eyed kids, but these, these were probably high. Even the, even the white part of the eyes? Uh, they just had very little of that. Mostly it was dilated eyes from what I saw. It's just like okay. Hiroko, Hiroko had the same type of eyes when I spent time with her in Sedona. And it was, wasn't romantic interlude. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was like father daughter, actually. So I thought maybe these two were my grandkids and she brought them to introduce them to me in a crazy way. But I think they were my offspring because of the, the, I guess the semen samples that were taken previously. Uh, so it all made sense. Even the years made sense. So I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's a crazy thing. And it was, it was a, my cousin was after it was over with, they walked away and, and they didn't turn us off until they got about halfway to her. And then apparently they turned the energy off of us and we was able to look at each other and talk. And he said, just what happened, Dave? I said, I said, I can't, I'll tell you later. I said, I want to watch these people where they're going. He said, do you know them? I said, yes, I think I do. I know the woman. And he says, how? And I said, okay, calm down. He's, he was out of his mind. I mean, you know, he could, he couldn't, it was just crazy for him. I understood it, but he didn't because he's about as shallow as a dry creek bed when it comes to, you know, thinking outside the box. So it, it scared him a lot. So they, they joined up together and then they walked to the stop sign up by the, the highway, two lane highway. And then, uh, we looked at them. We kept watching. We just turned our heads just for a second, looked back. They were gone. They just disappeared. They didn't go up the road or down the road. So they, they were just, they were beamed up. I guess a tractor beam just come and picked them up and they were gone. So that's how quick that happened. So that's why I know this, uh, this Heroku thing in Sedona turned out to be true because the second fact did come along. It took it six months, but it did come along later. Now, let me ask you because I've seen your family picture. You are married to an Asian uh, lady, correct? Uh, currently, right? So? Oh, Filipino, yeah. Uh, she's Filipino, yeah. And uh, she just got back, and we had a hard time getting her back because of all these uh, the city lockdown in Manila and everything. Now, it, do you think that, has that become um, a topic of discussion? Because you know these kids are Asian as well, Asian looking. Um, you know, how, how is that possible? I mean, are, are we talking about, um, would they manifest, do you think, to look this certain way? Or, um, yeah. are they, this is like their actual physical form? And if so, or does that, you know, in, in the bigger picture of the whole thing, are we talking about possible aliens that, um, has something to do with, Asian people in general, because uh, they've, this has actually been a theory of mine that you know we are all in this you know little marble planet, um, but we, we've all been cast away here by other beings within our entire solar system, which I think that's part of the big secret that you know there is life in this solar system, that it's not just on Earth that's existed here, um, and maybe other planets like Mars still possibly has life there. And we're just not told about what's actually going on outside of this planet. Uh, but could that be possibly what's going on here? Yes, uh, Angel, I've heard of several people. Uh, when I told my uh, s- s- uh, story, uh, my experience, not a story, a story is, is sci- science fiction, and an experience is actually uh, nonfiction. So mm-hmm. 
when I when I told my experience to some people, they said, you know, there was a an Asian woman that was in England that uh, that had there was a hybrid story about her that she uh, she made friends with this woman and she knew her, got to know her really well. And then all of a sudden she just disappeared. That was in the UFO chronicles, and also they saw Asian looking. Uh, I guess ETs out in Utah, and they got out of their craft, and some somebody was hiking, and they walked up on them, and they looked at them, and they ran, and they said they, these people look like Japanese, and and I thought, mm. wow, wait a minute, you know, there's a connection here. I uh, there could be a Japanese race that's that's really advanced, that may be time traveling, or or they they could be living here under water bases. Uh, there's an Asian race. There's a there's a uh, Caucasian race, a large Caucasian race. That's the uh, the Nordics, and of course you got the reptilians. Uh, and uh, I've actually seen the they call them the baby face aliens. They're about mm-hmm. five feet in stature, four and a half to five feet in stature. They have a round baby face and they have really glowing blue eyes. And uh, so I saw that in a regressed dream one night. And uh, so I uh, I think that yes, you're right, uh, Angel, that there's probably different types of, of humanoids that are that are out at, on other planets right now and we're probably just we're just a sample of what everything is out there uh, that you know there's a there's a, a world for uh you know blacks there's a world for asians there's a world for caucasians maybe and they all just put up they just put us together and and uh we're just this a test maybe you know to see how we we survive well i think we're surviving well that way you know in considering the, you know, <laughs> Different races, considering, but but uh, but we're still fighting. We still have wars, so we haven't learned our lesson yet. Well, and it's uh, you know a testament uh, to the fact that having blown ourselves up into smithereens, which is always uh, the testing of going from a type zero to a type one civilization. Is you make that transition? I don't know, Dave. If we're going to make that transition, the way things are going, if uh, the way uh, viruses uh, become bioweapons of the future. We're in some deep doo-doo because let me tell you, with uh, just as COVID-19, we see the way people are reacting to uh, this outbreak. Imagine if this is the war tactic of the future, which I think it is. It's bioweaponry and silent bombs, as some people call it. Um, I think this is what the Chinese are working on, to be honest, uh, something biological and it's you know maybe it escaped by accident, maybe it didn't. We don't know the full story of that yet. Um, I wouldn't put it past the Chinese uh, to release something and then just say, "Oh, it was an accident." Sorry. Yeah. Remember, these are these are people that kill their own people, and we gotta re- remember that. And I don't mean like if you kill somebody and get put in the electric chair because that's the excuse everybody says. Oh, well, well Americans kill Americans when you put them in the electric chair. Completely different scenario. Um, they kill innocent people like the Fulon Gong and individuals like that. And, uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's evil, it's corruption that, that should not be on the planet. But yet we have it in dictatorships around the world, in communism, socialism, and all these institutions which not only dumb down and suppress societies, but they kill their own people for control. And uh, one thing that, you know, it's always uh, been a narrative in the, the world of of religions or ufology or whatever it is, there's always, a, a, a you know, this Messiah figure that's going to come in to save everybody, but we always have to follow something. There's always a, a control mechanism behind everything. 
and uh, the, you know it's no different now. It's not going to be no different if there is disclosure. There's still going to be this moment of well, we still have to keep things under control, and we still have our masters that control everything, and that's something that I think goes back, you know, eons when we were seated here. And, uh, and again, I go back to the, 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 the melting pot that this planet really is for the individual races. And I think that's one of the things that's a, the big secret that we're being, you know, kept away from is that not only are we sharing a planet, but we're sharing the planet as castaways from individual races that came on here. That's why you have the reintroduction in the Bibles and whatnot of floods and different beings that come in, like the Anunnaki and the Sumerians. And you have all these different stories that, that come out years from different religions dealing with almost the same subject matter of beings coming from the heavens and you know and hybriding with the uh, population or intermarrying uh, and, and doing the, the experiments on people. And it's in, in a lot of cultures from Native Americans to, I've spoken to people in Europe and in, in people from Africa and it's part of their culture. They, they just know this and we, we, we overlook it because we look only at the mystical part of the Bible, for example. And if you actually read the Bible, it, it's a very, uh, amusing tale of a lot of things, but there's a lot of stuff in there that if it's retranslated correctly, it kind of looks like alien stuff written uh, to kind of like you know tell us this is our history we're just looking at it in the wrong way i think right yeah the old the old testament exactly is a historical book and yeah it's towns it's actually geographically correct as far as the archaeologists are concerned and and yes and a lot of civilizations have totally disappeared on this uh, planet like the hopi yeah. Indians and the and i think the incas they talked about there was a whole a whole, I guess, uh, what he called not a town. It was a huge city or whatever. They said those people just disappeared and they don't know where they went. So yeah, maybe they're taking them and relocating them. And I had a regressed dream about, about being on a ship that I called, uh, Noah's Ark. And I, I guess I won't have time because I want to go into this new stuff. Uh, it, you know, if you don't mind, Angel, this, uh, definitely, definitely. On that. Well, after all these experiences I've had and uh, been abducted several times with electricity and everything, it shocked me out of my mind and I was conscious. Uh, I've had a lot of different di- experiences, smaller experiences that it takes too long to, to cover. But what happens about six, seven weeks ago, about seven weeks ago, February 4th or 5th, it's 5th, it started uh, this year. And my alarms in my house were going crazy starting around 1230 at night in the morning. And my uh, motion detectors uh, went off, and and I thought, uh-oh, what's going on here? And because it never fails me, it's it's a great system. It's a it's a small and it works really nice. It sends a signal to the bedroom that somebody's in uh, downstairs. So we we just had the back door area and the front door area with those motion detectors, and I have another uh, another alarm that I have that goes with that. But uh, this thing never fails. And we've had it for six months or so, and, and it's been great. And the batteries are great on it. It's been working good. I got up, and I was scared that I had an intruder. I almost thought about calling the cops. That's how dependable I was on this this unit that I got. And I said, no, I won't do that. I'll just take my strong flashlight and my forty five, <laughs> and I went downstairs. And Dave, I was, I've seen horror movies to start this way, and it usually yeah. doesn't end up too no. well. So you took a gamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, bullets not going to affect them, but I was doing this with an intruder. 
Because at the time, I didn't know. That was my first alarm. And, and so I checked everything, went back to, I went to come up, went back to bed, and I couldn't, I had a hard time going to sleep. I laid my uh, pistol next to me, and I was waiting for, you know, any, any noises. I was trying to listen. I fell off to sleep. And then two hours later, the alarm went off again. I said, oh, no. So I just laid there, tried to listen for sounds, and I didn't go out and check because I was starting to suspect something else was going on. And then two hours after that, the alarm went off again, almost every two hours. And that was weird. And I thought, I'm dealing with, I'm not dealing with intruders that I, I that are human. I'm dealing with these, uh, their back uh, aliens. And it went off again about the fifth time around eight o'clock. And my wife called me from the Philippines about the same time it, it went off. And I told her about, you know, how many times it went off overnight. And she told me, she said, your friends are back, aren't they? So she she's a believer in what she's an acad- academic she's got a master's and so but she uh she believes in what's happened to me she knows all about this stuff she's actually told me that she's been touched in bed and she's felt a hand or something on her and she's had a scrape on her back where it kind of looked like a skin test or whatever and uh so she knows that there's something going on she knows that I'm for real and she she's been afraid of these things coming back and she saw little these little a ports I got little plastic tabs that I've been getting, and other a ports uh, like little jewelry pieces found in my pocket. I don't know where they come from. Those are called a ports. They come from somewhere we don't know, just out of our reach. But uh, going on with this thing, I put the trail camera out. I was talking to Linda Moulton Hall, and she said, first question, Dave. She said, why did you put the trail camera out to get these pictures? I said, well, Linda, when the, the alarm went off five times one night and there's nobody here in the house, I said, I knew something was up. And I said, I, I had a funny gut feeling that they were back. Uh, these aliens were back and they, they were here to visit. And so I, I set up the trail camera. She said, okay, that's good enough reason. I said, I set it up because I, I'd rather, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm reactive to these situations being military. So I set up my camera and I think, okay, there's something in here. I'm going to catch it. Well, the next day, I checked my camera, and lo and behold, I saw orbs. There's orbs that I got in the pictures, and then I saw uh, uh, the shadow man. I saw his head shadow up against the wall, and then he bounced back because he saw the camera. And then the greatest thing I found uh, in that, that first night I had the camera out, I got a, a 12-second video of a reptilian looking in my camera. He was looking sideways, and he looked dead at it. It was a trail cam, infrared, so the little diodes at top were red, and they were flashing back and forth, and he was turning sideways to look at it, and I guess he was grimacing because I saw his chin and his and his cheek. And one thing I learned about that, talking to a, a group experiencer meeting with Grant uh, Cameron a couple of weeks ago, there is a gal who told me she's seen, uh, she was very, Straight up. She didn't sound like she was very, she didn't miss a word. She very, very soberly told me, she said, I've met two of them. And she said, their whiskers are on their chins. She said, yes, they do have dark stubble on their chins and it's black. And she said, it's on a little bit on their cheeks, just like a man. I said, oh my God. I said, thanks for telling me that because now I know what position his head was in when he was looking into the camera. Uh, because that's the first thing you'll see. Uh, you, you think it's the top of his head, but it's not. It's his cheek and, and, uh, his chin. And it's got the dark stubble and his skin is kind of alligator looking. You can't, the, the, the video is really muddy looking. It's kind of dark, 
but you can make out what's going on in it. I got this uh, film. Now, you said you, this is one you, you told me you were going to share with uh, Facebook and the audience, correct? I already did that. Already, It's all okay, cool. on my Facebook already. But they're, they're actually, they're, I took the pictures off of my computer with my, my telephone, with my okay. iPhone. So, so it's it's kind of a second uh, rendition, I guess, copied. So uh, it's, but the first one is clear, but it's got a sound to it that I never, I never, fi- I couldn't figure it out. And my buddy and I are still kind of trying to figure it out. We've been trying to go through and, and do the revisions of these uh, enhancements of the video. And I found a documentarist uh, tonight, and I talked to him, and he said that he'll give it a shot. You know, he knows about uh, film and. And editing and stuff, so he'll give it a shot. He's he's the guy who's talking to me about making a documentary, and he's very serious about it. So I, I will probably be working with him on a documentary uh, on my experiences. So that this thing looks, I saw the eye come up at the bottom left of the frame. Of the you'll see it uh, if you see it on Facebook, you'll see where it comes up, and then you see the eye blink twice, and then it's it's really scary looking. When I first seen it. You have to see it on a widescreen computer screen uh, in order to really make it out real good. But I saw the eyes of this thing, and I had chills up and down my body. And I said, oh, my God, this thing was in my house. It came through my door past two motion sensors, and I didn't know it. And I said, oh, my God. You know, so I, I, uh, I was scared. I couldn't sleep that night after finding a, a reptilian was in my house. Well, I didn't really know it was a reptilian. I thought it was a gray until I, I sent the video to a Missouri uh, he was a Missouri MUFON investigator. Uh, he used to be, and uh, he was pretty good at looking at films. He looked at that, and he looked at the pictures of the Michelin Man that I, ca- I captured in still frames, three still frames of him going up the steps. And when he saw those two, he, he called me. He said, Dave, that's not uh, a little gray. He said, you have a reptilian that's coming in your house. I said, oh, my God. And he said, yeah. He said, you don't want that, do you? I said, no, I don't. And he said, the other pictures you sent, I said, the other ones with the ghostly figures on it, he said, that's not ghost. He said, that's Michelin Man. I said, I've never really heard about the Michelin Man. He says, I can send you an interview that he did. He did an interview with a colonel that worked with Michelin Men, and they were actually the, like, kind of like the Nordics. They were the, the you know, the white uh, alien. Right. Yeah, and, uh, and so that's what he said that they wear. They wear these uniforms that look like rings around them. That's why they call them Michelin Men. So... That's what was going up my steps, and he he told me that. I didn't know it until he told me. And, you know, I thought I was doing really well uh, reviewing my films, but uh, when I get an out, outside source, an un, you know, uh, kind of like an unbiased source, because Joe is not the type of guy who's going to tell me, you know, just to please me. He told me the truth. And so that's what I needed, and I had another buddy that does the same thing. He went over it and looked, looked it over and looked at it, and he said, yes, he said it's reptilian. So... I was getting unbiased uh, opinions from other people before I really thought about this. And it's been kind of a hassle trying to find somebody that, that's a technician that can clean this, this video up. Uh, if you, you'll see the, the one on the Facebook, it'll have a, a crunching sound, like a chewing sound. And it's more than that. My, my buddy actually re- redubbed the, the audio portion on his program on his computers. And it's, there's actually a, a little tinny sound, like a tin sound hitting, and then it sounds like a grunt or, or a little slight sneeze or something. It wasn't a sneeze. It's probably the, a grunt that he was letting out in between the constant chewing. And he said, you sure that wasn't you, Dave, chewing? I said, no. 
I said, how could I chew like that? that it sounded like he was going 100 miles an hour with that bubble, with bubble gum. I said, I, I don't chew bubble gum. I said, I don't chew that kind of stuff. And especially if I'm filming something or doing something, I don't eat anything in this office. I said, I just drink water here. So it's, you know, that uh, it's, it's got one guy wrote me on Facebook. He said that he heard that that's how they communicate. It's kind of like a, a chatter, like a little, like fine uh, electronic, uh, metallic chatter that they, they communicate with each other in. Uh, and so that's what he was doing when I was filming with the phone. It, it wasn't on the trail cam. My trail cam doesn't have audio. It's just got video. But when I filmed it off of the, uh, off of the computer screen, I actually got the, the sound. And that's where the sound come in. And I didn't know I had that sound until later on, until Joe Palermo re- reviewed my f- the films. And he told me, he said, what is that? He said, it's a constant chewing or chattering sound. I said, I don't know, Joe. I'd have to hear it. I, so I finally listened to it, and, and uh, yeah, it was on there. So we can't figure out what it is, and uh, and somebody on Facebook had it figured out. But yeah, I've had the I've had that happen, I, you know, in the orbs, and uh, the shadow uh, people. Uh, it, I think the shadow person is the same thing as the Michelin man because it looked like his head, and he shows up really bright on the on the uh, uh, on the camera because his suit is white. Really pure white, and what happens with the infrared and the pure white, it just shows up as a as a glow. But you can see the rings around his, his uniform. And uh, they said, "You sure it wasn't you with the white T-shirt?" And I said, "No." Do I look like the Michelin Man? Yeah. Now, let, me, let me ask you a question, David. Have you had, uh, you know, from the different? Uh, it looks like you've been visited by different, you know, possible races here. Uh, have you been given any core messages uh, that you can you know, recall? Uh, have any of these communicated in a way that um, it's you know maybe telepathic or verbally, but in a more understandable way? Because you know I do think that uh, you know language is important here, and uh, the chatter. You know, some people are like, "Well, what, what's that mean?" Uh, well, in Africa, for example, some people have uh, clicks in their name and they speak you know differently in different countries have different dialects and, and all kinds of things. So imagine different races, but have any of them communicated in a way that they've given you a core message as to why they're here, what they're doing with you, or anything like that? No, I've had regressed uh, vivid, uh, very vivid dreams that give me some answers to some things that happen in the future. Uh, now, those are all past, and they were all true. I've had about uh, five or six of those types of dreams, and they all come true. I mean, uh, every one of them that... Uh, they send me those messages in my dreams, and I get the. But here's the thing: I don't, Angel. I don't know why. I I don't know why. I think because they follow my family, and maybe my DNA resonates uh, with them. I so I think that's probably why they follow me. But why are they doing this, and and why are they still doing it? Uh, I know Kathy Martin told me a couple of years ago. She said, normally, you know, the ETs don't bother you after you get a certain age. You know, you. And uh, like somebody said, you disappear after you retire, you know. So, but that's that's not always the case. I, I've heard of people being followed, you know. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, and you know, maybe because I dye my hair, they keep following me. <laughs> <laughs> like he has an age today. Something we're yeah, doing. It's yeah. it's working. <laughs> yeah. but, but no, but no, I don't know. They they don't uh, tell me anything. These visitors have been here with me. For five weeks, and now they're gone. Last couple of weeks, but they haven't told me anything. If the looks could tell me things, they, this, that this reptilian looked in the camera, 
it looked at me like telling me, okay, we're following you, we're checking you out, we're still with you, uh, we're, we're not, uh, you know, we're not going to hurt you. These are things that I got out of that simple film from just looking at the eyes of this thing. And I don't, but they don't give me the answer why they're following me, why they're doing what they're doing. I don't have those answers. And if people say they do, I've had other people tell me that they've interviewed, uh, I've talked to other hosts and interviewers that, that say when they interview somebody, they say, yeah, I had this fantastic dream that I was on the spaceship and I saw these symbols and they told me all about technology. They told me what was going to happen in the world and I knew all this stuff. They told me this stuff. And then when you ask them, well, what did you learn? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I was in a daze. I, you know, <laughs> so you, you, if you got to be honest, I mean, let's, let's be honest here in ufology. If you've had an experience, be honest. If you haven't had, exp- had an experience, then be honest with that. But I think a lot of people have had experiences, but they don't really know it because 50% of the people abducted don't know they've been abducted. But the other thing too is, is. I believe that, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't make I'll up. I'll use higher numbers than that, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I, I would, I would say at this point in time, the way the, the world is, I would go as far as 70% of the world has uh, had some kind of experience and they have no idea. Yeah. Probably. And, uh, and like, like me, they, I keep saying, you know, I keep saying, okay, tell me something. Give me something. Now, I did see some of their technologies, uh, but I don't know how they work. I've seen the light that they use to erase your memory uh, mm. in a vivid dream, and it hurts the eyes when it goes across your eyes, and they walk you at the same time they're doing it. One had my arm and is walking me in this lodge in Sedona. I think this is after this Heroku thing happened, and she told me, kept telling me she had to have a baby. She had to have a baby. So maybe, and then they were there that night. They were had a hose into my groin area in that same lodge room, and they had a, a hose to my my groin, and I I kind of kicked it away. And then they tried to erase everything, but they didn't erase everything. I brought it back in a regressed dream, and I t- went back the next following year, took pictures to try to track my steps in that same room. I asked the owner if I can have the same room. He said, "Yeah, go ahead." So I took the same room and I took pictures of how I walked back and forth, and I said, "Uh oh, there it is." That was it. That's that's the path I took to walk to the patio doors, and on the right was a little table with with somebody sitting there. So there's three entities in that room when I was being erased or you know taken samples of. So yeah, that's that's how I go back and retrace or try to track down the facts. Now let me ask you: uh, Do they uh, always take you on a craft, or, or do they do a lot of these things maybe like right there on the spot? I think most of mine have been. Uh, by the bedside, uh, but there's been times that I know that they've taken me off because I've had regressed dreams of being on these on these craft, and okay. uh, I actually had a regressed dream that I walked through my my metal door, and which is insulated metal door, of course, and and I, if something was walking in behind me, and I looked back, I couldn't see anything, and it was telling me, it was communicating to me telepathically, walk through the door. And I was afraid I was going to hit my head on a door, and I didn't want to do it, so I stuck my arm out, and my right arm went right straight through the door. And and it started getting hot, and then I started feeling really weak, and I felt nauseous, and I felt really flushed all over my body, and I felt a little dizzy. And I, I knew it was from the heat from that from sticking my arm halfway through. And then, then I thought to myself, I better go through the door, finish going through the door before it, it really burns me. So I, I went through the door, and then after that, I don't know what happened to me. 
So it, it was some of the regressed dreams that I've had uh, on being on board, uh, I guess, about four different ships. So, yeah, I, I, they're very lucid dreams. Lucid dreams usually tell you something, uh, very something that happens. And I, I talked to a scientific friend of mine about this dream, about sticking my arm to the door. He asked me a lot of questions, and he we worked in Sandia, and he told me, says, he said, he said, brother, he said, what you had is not a dream. He said it actually happened because when you have body uh, signs that says that you're hot, you're you're uh, really, uh, you know. Uh, your body's really kind of getting tipsy and dizzy and your stomach's going around. And he said that your arm was burning. He says, he said, that's, that's for real. He said, you experience the, uh, the feelings and the pain of it. And he said, that's not a dream. So it made sense. So I do talk to people and consult with people that, that have a little knowledge of this stuff, uh, in order to make sense out of it. A lot of it doesn't make sense to me because, like I said, uh, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know what they're what they're doing or what they're after me for, but I did see another device. It looks like a little black flashlight, in which is uh, it dumbs you down. It's a it's has magnetic energy in it, and that's what they use to carry in their hand. It's about uh, five inches, maybe four and a half inches long. It just they carried in their hand. I saw one guy carry it, in which was two strange people that Linda Moulton Hall even thought they were strange, and I saw the object that he had in his hand, and so. I know that that's what they dumb you down with. That's what those two Japanese young men did to my cousin and I. They had that object on them, and they just turned it on and just, you know, uh, just dumbed us down. Huh. Yeah. That's uh, not uncommon, by the way, in, uh, you know, the uh, abduction phenomenon. Not so much the dumbing down, but the, uh, the overall uh, part where you're almost uh, frozen. In time, like you can't really react to what's going on. It's that something that you've experienced in almost every single one of the cases where you feel like, like you you almost really have no reaction at the same time you're trying to react. Right. Uh, I had a dimensional thing that happened to me a couple of mountains Sedona. Uh, By the way, a lot of the stuff that you're saying sounds almost like out of body experiences, also. Yeah, uh, that's what a lot of people talk about. They feel like. Uh, we we don't know the connection. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's spiritual out of body or is it ET out of body. I had a brother who told me he had that what they call the old hag syndrome, where they sit on your mm. chest and you can't breathe too well and you can't move. And I told my brother, I said, "You've been abducted." <laughs> so wow, yeah. So yeah, I said that's that's an abduction. I said that's what they used to call it back in the 1600s and 1700s. Back in mm-hmm. They used to call it the old hag that sat on people's uh, chest and they couldn't move and they couldn't breathe too well. Well, that was actually being uh, dumbed down by aliens and they were checking you out. Uh, the old hag, they have, they have different terminology back in those days. It's just like in Jesus' time, they had different yeah. terminology and that's why Jesus had to speak in simple parables so people can understand. Uh, they, and they, and they, they looked at these, these, uh, UFOs and they, they thought, uh, okay, that's a dragon, you know. It's a flaming dragon, or whatever. So they had they had to make up some kind of a name in their intelligent level in order to explain what they saw or what right. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes uh, absolute sense, uh, and and it's uh, not far off from what I've been saying for a long time uh, on this show and on the on previous shows I've been on, where a lot of our history is uh, mistakenly identified uh, by people that didn't know it any better. 
and uh, they you know identified certain things and called it where they would connect it to at that time in that period. And uh, when you reread it now, you're like, wait a second, uh, this could easily be retranslated into something uh, like a UFO or an abduction or an encounter. Uh, the back then they would, you know, not understand what that is. Because, you know, it, it hasn't been that long in the pop culture mentality, the, the term flying saucer. Right. Aliens. I mean, this is modern day, uh, naming of something that, that's, uh, centuries old. And, uh, and, and of course, this is where the terms leprechauns and dragons and all the, these lures and, and historical mythology comes from. Uh, different, uh, maybe races of beings that just come down and are misidentified, uh, by the cultures that are at the time there. And a lot of times also, uh, you know, Dave, we've had situations, I think, on this planet where, um, people have been maybe settlers here from, say, wherever, and they've, uh, been here for maybe a century, let's say, or a couple centuries. And they go in, they, they are exploring the rest of the world, and they've come across other parts of the planet where there's been civilization, maybe it's been here for a long period of time, and have already evolved a certain way, and they've been mistaken for the gods or the aliens, when they're maybe second or third generation on this planet also. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, mistaken mythology within... Uh, a lot of the stuff, and it's crazy because when you start thinking about it, you're like, wait a second, but what does this mean? Where, you know, why are these people so human looking? Uh, you know, why is it that every, uh, you know, religion race has these encounters with people coming in out of nowhere and, like you said earlier, uh, you know, places just disappearing off right. the face of the earth. Uh, why does these, you know, this, it's like a common thread. In our, in our planet, which is amazing to me that nobody puts that together. Uh, and, and especially when you're dealing with something that it's, uh, earth changing, like, you know, like this topic is, uh, not just for the experiencers having experiences like yours, but for the planet in general. Think about, you know, this, uh, once we're fully aware and, and completely integrated, with a fact like, you know, there's aliens out there and we're just part of a cosmic, uh, family, uh, once that becomes a social awareness and we're all experiencing that outside, uh, not just from, uh, stories on podcasts or radio or from abductees, but we're all part of like this bigger picture, uh, you know, that's, uh, earth changing in a completely new narrative is being written at that point forward. Uh, now, for your case, for example, and people like you, why do you think that they choose you or people like you uh, to come forward to? Well, I, I was actually told by a couple of people who I think were very close to ETs. Uh, they told me that uh, the ETs actually want us to come out and tell these stories to people uh, because they want us to be instruments for them to to let people know gradually that, they're here and they've always been here and if they come back that they don't want people jumping off a building so they want us to help explain so it's my job i was told by a couple of people to keep telling my experiences and let people know that if they have experiences to come forward and talk about it uh that's one of the one of the mantras i i've been having with the radio as a host and and i i want people to tell their experiences and not be afraid i mean i've gotten a couple of uh, kickbacks on the 
on Facebook on these two videos, and they're wondering about the chewing sound. And that chewing sound, I don't know. I don't know where it come from. It 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 must have been they were invisible in my in my place. And uh, I have a trifield meter in which I can track magnetism, and there's been high mag magnetic uh, you know uh, energy in a certain areas in which it shouldn't be. It's not close to electrical outlets, not close to the computer, it's not close to anything that's electrical, and that's the weird part about it, and I can track them in my house. Uh, and my brother come here, who's a kind of a naysayer, he's, he's not into the UFO thing too much himself, but he, I showed him my pictures, I, I went through the whole computer uh, gamut of all the pictures I got, and then I, I showed him the tri-field meter, and I said, now walk over there and see, see what it does, because it knows you and I are talking about uh, him, this uh, reptilian. And so he walks over with that meter and said, wow, it's going crazy. I said, yeah, look around you, there's nothing around you, right? you're right in the middle of the room, and there's nothing there. And I put it down to the floor, and there's nothing on the floor. He raised it up. And there it was. The meter was just going crazy, and it was it was funny. I have a, a green laser that I that I you know I just got for fun, you know. But I'm a, I'm a big kid, you know. But I got this. <laughs> Welcome got, to the club. <laughs> I got all these gadgets, you know. I do have gadgets, and I and I just bought a laser. But I, what I did is I shine that laser at at the area which I thought this thing was standing. Well, guess what the meter did? It was just starting to jiggle all over the place as soon as I put the la- the laser on this. On this, where the energy was coming from, it started. I mean, it was going wiggling all over. I thought I'm hitting something, or something's there, you know, and it's it's interfering with this energy or or whatever. Uh, I'd like to remove its uh, invisible cloak, you know, is what I'd like to do and see who they are. Well, I know who this reptilian is. I don't think I want to see him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, yeah he's kind of bad looking, so I don't want to mess with him. But uh, I heard that reptilians also, uh, they change themselves, they're shapeshifters, they can change themselves into beautiful women, and they, they can actually, you know, uh, I guess, win themselves. Careful, Dave, you're a married man, careful. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but that, that's, that's what they, that's what they do, you know, they, they, uh, they entice these men, they can't, they can't use that on me now because I'm older and I'm married and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a straight shooter, so, uh, that doesn't happen, but I did run into one back in 20, 12 and which was weird uh i told my wife about it so she knows all the 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 experiences i've had before we got married and i told her about this uh, really we was in a nightclub the brothers and i were going to sign a contract uh, to play there and so he's waiting for the owner to come in and and there was a group of girls about 24 25 years of age and it's all in dresses must have come from some fancy deal or something one girl went over and played the jukebox and played a michael jackson song and she could dance. I mean, she was swirling and dancing around the, the, you know, the bar stools. And she swirled and danced her way over to me. And she held her hands out, palms up to me and looking right at me. And I thought, my two younger brothers were younger and they were better looking than me. Why is she doing that to me? You know? So what she did though is she picked out my energy. And, uh, I found out about two weeks later, my brother and I went in there to finally sign the contract. And uh, she was setting a stool away from me, and she was in regular clothes, like Levi's and a tank top, whatever. And she, she, uh, I told my brother, I said, I asked my brother, I said, is that the same girl that was all dressed up? He looked at me, he said, yeah, it looks like her. And I said, well, I said, a uh, little different being dressed down, but she was still, you know, very attractive. And, and, I, and then she turned to me with her eyeballs. It, it was just her eye that she turned, not her head. And I saw the, the reptilian slit in the eye. And she had uh, cat eyes, and I said, "Oh my God!" 
and I froze. And she she turned her eyes back, and uh, and I said, I told my brother, I said, did you see that? And he said he didn't, but then I heard he told another brother that he did see it. You know, where her eyes turned to me, and, and you could just see a green slit in the eye. And so she might have been a reptilian, because uh, why would she pick on somebody as ugly as I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, uh, you know, hey, you can say it about yourself, but beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, it, that. Well, the aliens <laughs> look like it's our energy they're attracted to. Yeah, no, and, and they're not exactly the best-looking creatures as it is uh, to, to us humans, most of them anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I. Uh, who, are they to, who are they to judge, really? I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. I, I heard, <laughs> but I, I did see a tall uh, Nordic gal on this ship. I have time to tell the story, or? Uh, well, we'll just go a little bit over with you. Uh, you know, uh, as it is. Uh, uh, go ahead, real quick. And I also want to, uh, by the way, give out the, the uh, links and stuff to your show so people get uh, listen to your show live and uh, book, bookmark them on the on the uh, on their browsers uh, so they can check your stuff out. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, tell the story, and then we'll get to, uh, to the right. rest of the. Uh, this, this was a very uh, lucid, regressed dream that I had, and I, I mentioned Noah's Ark, and I found myself standing in a hallway. Of a of a large ship, it was metal, metallic walls, looked like stainless, uh-huh. very clean. And then I looked and I saw there's rooms, and I saw entities sitting at these at these uh, in these rooms. I couldn't make out what they looked like. I just know that they were there. I I couldn't uh, because when they do this to you, they erase the facial features a lot of times, and you don't see them in dimensional terms. You don't when you run into something dimensional. They don't look at you either. They'll have their head turned to you. It's, it's weird. That's the way they do it. But they, I walked down this hallway, and then I saw a crowd of, of people or entities in this one big room. There's three podiums there, and there was a tall humanoid-looking being standing with some kind of a, a rope or a wire or something attached to an animal. And the first animal I could see, the only one I could see I was closest to, it looked like part kangaroo. And, and part uh, rabbit or something, it was it was different looking, is weird looking, and I thought, wow. And the first thing that came to my mind, this is a Noah's Ark ship. This is where they plant life on other planets that will make it and survive on these planets, I guess. So I turned and I walked away, and then I noticed that my right foot, I had a black box. It was a little black box that was following my right foot, and I couldn't make out what that was, why it was following me. And I looked down, I said, wow. Okay, uh, what's going on with this little black box? Like I told you earlier, Angel, I saw yep. saw some of these uh, these technical items, but I I don't know what they were. Uh, they weren't explained to me. So I walked up and I saw this group of they look like women, females in these white long smocks, and I got in between them and I saw a baby about six months old. It had three eyes, all three eyes right straight across. It wasn't like a cyclops in the middle of the forehead. It was actually in line with the eyebrows, and three of them were all right across the, the, the head. I said, oh, my God. And then I turned around, and then I saw this tall this tall woman coming down the hallway, and she was dressed in a two-piece. It was brown, uh, kind of like a brown tan a top and a, and a shorts-like piece, kind of like a skirt. And uh, she was about seven feet tall, and she was walking towards me. And I wasn't afraid because she didn't look scary. She didn't have any hair. She was very pale, and she had really a big, dark, dom- almond eyes. 
And, uh, she had features like a nose and mouth, sort of like ours, just about like ours, you know, that I couldn't make any difference out. And I wasn't afraid of her because I knew she was humanoid. And then she looked at me and she kind of told me telepathically to turn around and walk with her. So I went and walked with her. And then she had these dials. They weren't dials like we think. They were just like, uh, pieces of, uh, the part of the wall that was made up of metal also, but they were round. And she just put her hand on one of them, and she disappeared. And I thought, wow. I looked at her and said, how'd you do that? She just grimaced, and her, her lip just went down a little bit. And I, I told that to one other guy that was a scientist, and he said, you know why she grimaced? I said, why? He, she, she doesn't want to explain anything to somebody as dumb as we are. Says they, they look down on us. Their intelligence is so many times smarter than us that why explain anything to us? And I said, yeah, that makes sense. And so she, she looked at me again and then she walked over the panel and she, she put her hand on another metal, uh, looked like a wall, except it was protruding and it was round. And she put a, her hand on it and then she motioned for me to follow her down this hallway. I've been down these hallways before. They're about eight feet tall, about five or six feet wide. You walk down them and as you walk down them, you disappear and then you're get, you, you get sent back to where you come from. And that's, they beam you back where you, where you belong. And, and I, I found that to be really strange. And that was a very lucid dream. And I, I never forgot every little detail of it. I, I didn't make any notes of it. Uh, when you have a lucid dream, you don't have to make notes. Uh, your regular dreams you do, but not, not the real lucid ones. You'll never forget them. So they stick with you. It's, uh, that's a question I was going to, uh, get to. So they stick with you once you, because you know, dreams fade. After, right. you know, a certain period. Uh, but usually when it's something, and Travis Walton actually commented on this to me once, uh, that when he started having memory come back, cause he remembered a lot of stuff, but when he had other things come back to him, uh, it was almost like, uh, not a dream, but like something that it was an experience, you know, like it was a completely different thing and something he would never forget. Uh, once you remember it, it's stuck in there, like you, you remember like it was yesterday. Right. That's, I have, yeah. a, I guess I have, I don't know, maybe six or seven real lucid, uh, uh, recalls or regression. I don't do good in hip, hip, uh, hypnotos, hip, you know, hip, somebody hypnotizing me, uh, what I'm trying to right. say. Right. Hypnotherapy, yeah. Yeah, I don't do good at that because that's something I, uh, I don't like for one thing. And they can turn out to be false readings because actually mm. when they do put you under hypnosis, what they do to you is they, they plant a seed in your mind and then you wake up talking about aliens or, or UFOs. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you've been implanted already by, by some false notion. So that's why you got to be careful with hypnosis. Not only that, I've seen, uh, people that have been hypnotized and the, the, you know, the person doing the hypnosis uh, session leads them to where they want to go with the uh, with uh, their story, and uh, it's and this is beyond just you know having false memory. This is being led now to a certain narrative uh, that they're trying to you know fill, and uh, this has happened to uh, I think a lot of people who have been falsely identifying uh, you know one thing with another. Under hypnosis, because they're being led by the same individual who wants to make a story out of this case or that case. Uh, fascinating stuff, Dave, as always. Uh, let's uh, give it uh, the, the, again, the website link where people can listen to your podcast, uh, to your show, and what are the times and dates that they can catch you? Uh, I really want to get this out to the audience. 
uh, before I wrap up so they can go ahead and follow your, your, uh, your new show. Yeah, uh, it, is it okay to advertise on your show, your network? I'm, I'm censored and, uh, it's fine with me. Go for it. All right. Well, it's K-Core Radio. I have a mm-hmm. show on a Thursday night and I'm a host, so I don't do a lot of, a lot of the talking about UFOs or anything, but I, I do have interesting guests and I had one on last week with the, with the, uh, the, this, uh, Corona, uh, virus. And now this coming week I have, a, a scientist who's involved in the, and he knows about climate change and he makes instruments that measures climate and he has three companies and, uh, he's got money too, Angel. I, I interview rich people. <laughs> so there we go. I love those kind of people. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But, uh, they're my people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, us, us UFO people aren't rich. That's, that's the sad part. Correct. But, but no, I've got another guy. It's going to be on the show week after next. And, uh, uh, his name is, uh, Tommy Hawksblood. Uh, you might have heard of him, uh, but he's he's had a lot of different experiences, and he he's from Hawaii. I'll have him on my show, I think, the the week after that, and then I have uh, a couple other people lined up that you know I I I I get these different guests, different topics, and just like you, like we were talking earlier, that yeah, you get a change up of topics that way you don't wear one out. Uh, but I, I I do my guest appearances like I do tonight, and I talk about my experiences and I talk about the uh, UFOs and things of that nature. That's that, that keeps me in touch with, with how I got started in all this to begin with. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to leave, leave that back because uh, like I said, this I'm talking to a guy now about making a documentary and it looks like it's pretty much going to happen. So uh, we're going to do that. And uh, with this virus, we're going to have to do most of it over the computer and, and get, yeah, you know, get everything done that way. But uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm involved in several things. I got another buddy that we're wanting to do a radio show with and he, he writes and he knows all about the current events and he knows about UFOs and him and I are really good buddies. We just met three months ago, but we, like we've known each other for years, you know. So, uh, that's why I like to have all my guests feel too, you know, just like you, Angel. I, you know, I, I know you and I had done a show with you and I think you're a great guy and we've talked, you know, we've talked off the, off the air. And, uh, I, I, you know, so I couldn't refuse coming on your show, that's for sure. So I, uh, I meet a lot of great people, uh, on, in radio and as guests, uh, a lot of good people. Uh, welcome to the world of podcasting. You're, you're gonna love it. Uh, you know, and, and it's very true, uh, you know, um, you do meet a lot of very interesting and honest and good people when you start getting involved in, in this, uh, world. Uh, just be careful, you know, by some individuals, uh, within the world of ufology, cause, uh, everybody has a story to tell, everybody has a story to sell, and, uh, some people like to step over people and just, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, the audience uh, checks out your show on Thursday night, and I'm gonna check it out also. I'm intrigued to see, uh, some of the stuff in the, uh, the coronavirus. We didn't get too much into that, but I, I'm telling you, that's interconnected. Somehow, some way, mm-hmm. and uh, all this stuff is coming to a, a full steam. And uh, I see my friend Stephen Bassett being very happy at the end of this uh, because I do believe disclosure is right around the corner. Right. Uh, they, you can also check out my archives here. I go selling again. Uh, you can check out my archives on KCOR Radio Archives and look up my cool. show. And uh, they'll have bios on there and people that I've had on there. So yeah, they can look that up and. And tune into my shows uh, just as a part of the archives uh, on the KCOR website. 
Very cool, very cool. Dave, thanks so much for being on here with us again on Inside the Jackal Said, man. I always appreciate when you drop by and appreciate the kind words. And uh, the best of luck to you as, as a host. Look forward to, to hearing from you. Maybe uh, dropping in one day and saying hello. Yeah. That'll be always fun. Yeah. You know, host to host, uh, it's always fun to, uh, you know, you know, check out other people and the way they do it. So imagine now you're on the other seat and you know exactly how it feels. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the pre, it's the, it's the, uh, pre-show stuff that you gotta do. And my, Correct. Producer, my, my producer demands a, a quality show and she wants me to be up on my guest and she wants me to, you know, to kind of thread through uh, their books and find out, you know, what's going on with them. Uh, write down some questions, and it's. It, I, I end up with about two, three pages of notes before I interview somebody, so I know what they're they're into and what they're. And I talk to them about talking points, so I try to, you know, do that. And that's that's most of the work, actually. Uh, yeah, is, is making out the notes and talking to somebody. But but you already know me, and you've we've already talked, and so uh, and you're familiar with UFOs, and so I am. So am I. So it's not a subject that we're both, you know. That we both haven't been involved in, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yes, if you can listen to Dan Perkins on my show on KCOR, he talks a lot of good stuff about this uh, coronavirus. Definitely, I'm going to be checking that out. That's a big topic of discussion, obviously worldwide, and uh, on this show. Uh, Dave, again, thank you so much, and you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you back on soon because it's always fun having you on the show, man. You're a great guy. It's always fun with you, Angel. I, I think you're, you're a nice guy. And I, like I said, I couldn't turn down the offer, you know. So, uh, you know, so yeah, I appreciate you, buddy. I really do. Thank you, sir. Have yourself a wonderful evening. Until next week, folks, this has been Inside the Jackal's Head again live on PSN radio. Talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.